You are now listening to LFL Talk with Adri and Marcus. Hello and welcome to the week 13 episode of LFL Talk. I'm your host, Adri Mallows. Joining me this week, as always, is my partner in crime... Marcus Henson, how are you, sir? (laughs) In desperate need of a coffee. Uh, yeah, I can imagine it is getting a little bit late, isn't it, sir? So I appreciate that. But uh, if you can no, go your good. coffee just for a few minutes. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. It's really good down here, getting excited for our holidays. Yes, of course, yeah, the big That's trip to Seattle in. for the Legends Cup final. Exactly, it's less than a month away now. Woo-hoo! Yeah, three and a half weeks, I believe, and then we're on a plane to Seattle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I hope the plane doesn't go like that, because Marcus is just currently bouncing up and down in his chair. So the less turbulence, the better, actually, I think please buddy <laughs> but how have you been since our last show with the bye week and all how have you kept yourself busy it's just working at the moment got to make some extra pennies so I've got some more spending money for Seattle nice work now we won't bore you with any more of our shenanigans <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but we'll let you know that later in the show we have two amazing guests for you we have one of the best form tacklers in the league and veteran cornerback from the Las Vegas Sin and that is Kelly Campbell And we also have the first ever LFL Hall of Famer that is Monique Gaxiola. So great interviews to have later in the show. Really looking forward to you guys hearing those. But for now, shall we get on with the proceedings? What sayeth thou? Yes. (laughs) Hi, this is Tony from Delicious in Hemel. If you like a bit of banter with your sandwiches, then come on down to us. We do baguettes, ciabattas, paninis. We can even discuss the LFL with you. So why don't you come and give us a try? And if you want some more details of our menu, see the links on the Legends Lounge page. We come on now to the game itself between Las Vegas Sin and Los Angeles Temptation. Now, this was a big game with a potential playoff spot on the line. If Los Angeles won, then they would guarantee themselves a spot in the playoffs. If Las Vegas won, then they would blow that playoff race wide open. Marcus, what were your first thoughts? It started off a little slow, and and I kind of expect that because we've seen this year that LA and uh, Las Vegas are very much sort of well matched as, as far as teams go. The first time we saw these two teams go up against each other, we had uh, Ashley Solano back at quarterback for the LA um, side. And so, you know, it's been a bit of a rocky sort of initiation, shall we say, for Michelle Angel um, under centre. So it was nice to see how she could sort of get into this, uh, this game and what she could produce. Yeah, I mean, with Michelle Angel, you may or may not agree with me, but I think personally that her better performance at quarterback came when she was still playing defense as well, almost like she could remain fully focused, like she didn't have time to think about things too much. I guess so. For me, um, I think you've got to give a shout out to Delaney Hall, who has stepped in for her as safety. I think she actually played a really good game, this uh, this one against Vegas. But I don't know. I think a quarterback needs to be able to, to have some time off away from the field be able to sort of look at what, uh, what's working, talk to the coaches, get to that regroup before they get back on the field. What's really helped them the last couple of games is, is the fact that they've given a heavy dose of run into the actual um, offensive strategy. For me, Carmen Borso was electric. She was absolutely on fire tonight. You team her up with... Uh, uh, Sherry Awaga and Amanda Rula and then suddenly there's this nice little triple team and they just kept Vegas guessing all night. And um, we are guessing as to who was going to run the ball but watching the game from back a lot of the Carmen Borso runs were that motion sweep play. Oh my word. 
how Vegas couldn't work out that it was going to be Jet Sweep. I've got to count. I've even counted this. Out of the entire game, there were 11, 11 Jet Sweep or end around plays. And there was another four fakes, which opened up the passing game to, you know, dipping the, the receiver to come around on the end around, faking the handoff. And then suddenly, like twice, Sherry Awaga was just absolutely massively open downfield. One time she dropped it. I couldn't believe that. But it, it they set up, they, they, they played the game game you know if it's not broke don't fix it they set this play this end around play Vegas didn't adapt to this at all during the game and so it then opened up play action in the second half perfectly it just sort of if, if that's how they designed it it worked perfection yeah well let's come back just stick with the first half for now so LA had an, a reasonable first drive but obviously the big fumble cost them the field position there and stops them driving the ball too much further and then of course when Las Vegas got the ball Kim Chase <laughs> She had a monster sack on that first drive to, to give, again, to give LA great field position. Yeah, doing herself absolute amazing kudos to try and get herself in the running for that rookie of the year, I think. You know, she's just uh, put another uh, a score on the board sort of thing as far next to her name. But for me, it's the indifference there was just, it's still, I'm not seeing the Cindy Cummings of last year. She's the, the still, either the rust is still there or she still hasn't quite got herself back into 100% because, you know, last year we were seeing her reading that defense quicker, making adjustments, even getting the ball out of her hands, not taking such a heavy sack. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Vegas. Cynthia Schmidt, who's not had the best of games recently, seemed to find her hands again this week and she made some really big clutch catches. Granted, there was a couple towards the end of the game where she did drop them, but personally, again, I think that's more down to the fact that you've got such little space at the back of an arena that you're always going to be a little bit cautious when you're trying to make a diving catch in those sort of circumstances. But on the whole, I thought she had a much better game. There was definitely flashes of the last year's magic between her her and Cindy. And like I said, there was a few of them, a few drops. I, I know she's going to beat herself up about that. There's a, a couple of other times. Uh, there was one in the end zone, definite pass interference on Daniel Harvey. Should have been called, but wasn't. And that sort of like ended the 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 Sin second drive. Um, so that really kind of, I feel sometimes the drops just happen to be in momentum building parts. Like you say, in the end zone, key sort of score opportunities or, or to extend plays um, but really as like I say we're going back to that temptation they, they sort of controlled the game as much as they wanted to do because the majority of their drives ended up either deep within the sin territory so therefore it's like a, a long drive it forces the sin to go all the way up the field or they're, they're ending in scores and they were they were never chasing the game no they weren't but Midway through the third quarter, the score was 14-0. So although we're sort of talking about it like maybe like LA were quite dominant, don't forget it was actually really close until towards sort of the well, the last third of the game, really. Like I said uh, at the beginning, these two teams are perfectly matched for each other. Like I said, if it wasn't for a couple of, of drives by Las Vegas ending in sort of like incomplete passes in the end zone, I think uh, Dominic Malloy is having another, I mean, we just spoke about Kim Chase uh, racking up points for Rookie of the Year. How about Dominic? Malloy, I mean, she just looks electric every time she touches the ball. She does. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to try and wrap things up because we've got a couple of big guests later in the show, so I don't want the show to kind of overrun too much. So, finish up by saying the final score in this one was LA 28, Las Vegas 14. So, after the middle of that third quarter, Las Vegas didn't manage to score any more points. Just one thing I want to quickly touch on because I wanted to ask your opinion on this, but with some of the problems Vegas have been having on defense this year, I'm wondering about maybe making the switch from Kelly Campbell at corner, who we know is a phenomenal tackler, 
and also reads the play really well. If we maybe switched her to strong safety and then corner would be maybe a slightly easier um, gap to fill. And then Kelly Campbell's almost playing in that Lily Granston role to, to hunt down the ball carrier. Okay, there is definitely a need for someone to be, like you say, Kelly Campbell, she's quick, but she also knows how to hit somebody. You put her in that safety role, she can then maybe adjust from the field. Because the problem was her out on the wing as a corner if they ran to the other side of the, the, the field, she's she's just out of the play because you just are if you're the corner on that side. As a safety, I think she's going to be more dominant being able to attack down the left-hand side and the right-hand side. But not only that, um, I think they need to just get some more on the defensive line. There needs to be more speed. Not enough rushes of the quarterback. There wasn't enough pressure on Michelle Angel. So like you said, if you put Kelly as safety, she can affect the play from, from the safety position, but they also need to find a dominant defensive lineman. Line woman, sorry, shall I say. And on that note, we will leave our game round up there. And when we come back, we will have the first of our guests. The world's fastest growing sport arrives to YouTube. Legends Football League. Break their confidence. Keep breaking their confidence. They've got nothing. They want to brawl. They don't want to play football. Intensity. Beauty. Subscribe to this channel and gain access into locker rooms. Inside the huddle. Every other front, they run to the outside and they're hitting it. Get to know your favorite players. The one thing I want to do is just make everyone happy. Give 100%. And fully games in high definition. Subscribe and never miss out on LFL Action. We welcome now onto the show our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce one of the best form tacklers in the league and cornerback for the Las Vegas Sin, Kelly Campbell. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Hi, thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Now, before we start, please can I ask you to advise our listeners what you were doing prior to joining the league and who or what inspired you to start playing? Sure. Well, I actually joined in 2010, so... I had only been out of college for a year at that point. You know, I was just working regular eight to five. In college, I was a cheerleader at Penn State and competitively and uh, played every sport you could think of sans football my entire life. So um, I was really missing a competitive sport. was still dancing back home, but I saw a friend from college on the Philadelphia team the year after we graduated. And I was so fascinated by what she was doing. And she told me Baltimore was getting a team and I went to the first tryout and that was it. Had you played much football beforehand or, or was it kind of your first experience when you did your tryouts? Well, I had, you know, being a cheerleader, I was around football my whole life. And then I have two younger brothers who also played football. One actually played at University of Delaware and he was a linebacker. So, so football has always been a huge part of my life. I just never, there were no opportunities for females, not even powder puff where I grew up. So it was, it was pretty much the first real experience at that first mini camp we had. So by that rationale, does that mean that cornerback wasn't necessarily your first choice of position or is that something you've, you've wanted to play? No, I had I had no idea. I don't think most of the girls going in know that there's only, uh, you know, seven positions on each side of the ball. And you, ca- you kind of learn quickly, hey, I'm kind of more of an agile player. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the strongest. Of course, you work on those things and they come, but for me, I had I had quick feet being a dancer. So they started me off as a you know defensive back and as a receiver. So not a very good arm. So that kind of round, you know, <laughs> counted that one out. And uh, yeah, so it, it kind of just fell into my lap. And then I fell in love with the position. Uh, I played defense in lacrosse and soccer. So I maybe kind of came naturally. <laughs> and you mentioned there that you 
began your career at Baltimore and you were there for a few seasons, but what made you decide to then move to the Las Vegas Sin? Well, actually, I had taken a job with Mitch at league headquarters and I moved across the country. Uh, I helped work on some stuff in the US and in Canada. And then I actually got to go overseas with him and help launch LFL Australia, which was an incredible experience. And at that point, I had pretty much settled on, you know, okay, I'm kind of going to put playing behind me and just focus on the operations side, which I was fascinated by as well. And then, um, you know, I decided to get back into playing and hey, I was already in a market that had a team. So why not, you know? And just touching there, actually, on your experience with the the overseas operations, what was that like going and having the job for LFL Australia for, was it about four months, I believe? Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't, I never got to study abroad in college, which I had always, you know, regretted. So this was kind of like that opportunity. And we didn't, you know, some of the girls, when they go over there, they just, they go to play for one team and and they don't get to travel as much. We got to go to all four cities and we got to go up to Cairns and do a little sightseeing. So I really had some of the Australians said that they I've seen more of the country than they have. Oh, wow. And I can't really put yeah, I can't I can't put into words how incredible that country is and and that experience was and it went by so fast and I want to go back very badly. <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> so when the league does yeah. go back that way I'm sure you'll probably jump at the chance to go back out then. We'll see, we'll see how old <laughs> I am at that point. <laughs> no worries. So yeah, so that brings you on to your time now with uh, the Las Vegas Sin. Um and during your time there, Las Vegas Sin have had um several head coaches and um, why do you think there may have been such a, a high turnover of coaches there? You know, I actually think that's what, from my experience, has been quite common. I had two different sets of coaches in Baltimore, and now I've had two different sets of coaches in, in Vegas. So in five years, I've had four different coaching staffs. So to me, it's nothing new. I kind of take it as an opportunity to reprove myself as a player or as a leader. And, you know, I'm not I'm not getting settled into my position. And you know, I'm I'm constantly having to still work. So that's been actually, I think, more of a benefit than some of the other players have around the league. I'm not going to say that it does happen, but maybe, you know, they, they kind of get very comfortable. And, you know, where players like myself or Cynthia or even Cindy, you know, had to reprove ourselves after last season. And I had to reprove myself in the Western Conference after playing in the East for three years. It's a constant challenge, which I think is good. I welcome it. And you mentioned your position there. I was speaking to Marcus about this earlier in the show, but with some of the um, the issues Vegas have been having on defense this year, I, I thought to myself, being the tactical genius I am not, um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe if we moved you from cornerback to strong safety, it would give you a better uh, run-stopping coverage. Yeah, I've, I've had that conversation with a few of my coaches, but... Um, they really like my pass coverage on the outside and they're confident, you know, they're confident having me on the left side and they're confident in, in me having, you know, the ability to change direction quickly, you know, when I'm on the other side of the field to come back and maybe play a little cleanup sometimes. And I don't think that they see me as much of the aggressive person as some of the other personnel we we might have at safety, which I totally understand, you know, and I want the people in the best positions. And if they, if they think I'm best suited at corner, then... Um, be there, you know, and I'm going to do what's best for the team. Um, I'd love a shot at safety. So, you know, maybe, maybe next year, you never know. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep that ball rolling. We'll keep mentioning it on the show for you. Then hopefully <laughs> yeah, then something will happen. No problem. Just finally, before we come on to the, the game itself. Now, um, this year, um, Las Vegas have suffered the, the big loss of Danica Brace to, um, the Seattle Mist. So how was 
the team adapted to such a big loss of uh, both player talent and also such a big personality in the locker room? Yeah, you know, it, it is a big talent loss, I'd say more so than than anything else. Um, you know, she is a phenomenal mm-hmm. athlete and she does have a lot of talent and leadership. So, uh, you know, this year we just had to ask some people to step up and I think we're almost there. We are still, I always feel like I'm on a team of rookies, <laughs> you know, but if I can get some of these girls to stick around for next season, finish out the season strong and stick around for next season, I think Vegas will be a different beast. You know, it's been hard because we've been in every game, you know, we've just not been able to hang on. So, you know, we just need a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that both myself and, and Marcus have said as well is that, especially with this game, so right up until sort of the middle of the third quarter, it was um, it was still only 14 all. And, and you can see that throughout the year, the performances are getting better. And on that note, I'm actually going to bring in Marcus rather than talking for him, because I know he has a few questions <laughs> for you. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Actually, you made a great point there about finishing the season strong. And so I want to ask a few questions about moving forward. So now the playoffs, technically, I'm afraid they're sort of out of the question. What's the mood like sure. in the Vegas camp at the moment? It's not that we're trying to prove anything because we know that we're a talented group and we know that there's just been a few key adjustments that we um, missed out on this season in, you know, maybe some personnel or maybe some play calling or maybe just some a lot of mental mistakes. And they happen. That's football. Um, but we still want to finish two and zero for the last two games, you know, or at the very, very least one and zero. You know, we it's hard to play two teams within or the same team within five days twice. It's very hard to do that and come out with with both wins. And we know that we're realistic. We just want to finish with the highest possible outcome, which would be two and zero. And you know that hasn't that hasn't stopped just because we're zero and three with a you know with a tie that hasn't stopped our our view of still finishing out on top for you know in our books. Absolutely. I mean, you've always got to play to the end and you made an excellent point there. I mean, two games in five days. Um, how are you guys preparing for the, the, the quick turnaround? It's a challenge because because of the travel more so than anything. You know, we're up in Seattle on Saturday and then we come home and we're in Ontario on Wednesday. So that's a lot of travel. It's again, it's more of a mental battle that you have to play with yourself. I, I was saying that, yeah, it takes me a little bit longer to recover more so than it used to. It's taken me about three three full days now, but... Um, we're just going to rest up and, you know, leave it all out there. That's all, that's all you have to do at the end there. You just leave it all out there. So we plan on doing that. Absolutely. And I think that you going in there with the right mentality, it's going to be tricky, but I think you guys can come up, up with it. Like me and Adri were saying, you've, you've been in every game. You mentioned there, Ontario. What's it been like to, to play technically not in your home city? You know, of course, when we first heard the news, we were a little taken back, but we were still grateful that we still have a franchise. You know, that's, that's been more important to us. It's like we will rather we play anywhere rather than not playing at all. And that's been the mentality around the team. And, you know, we kept saying veterans kept saying, hey, if we at least make enough of an impact in, you know, in the games, maybe there's a shot we could get back in our own our own town next year. The only hard thing is it's been hard to hear how many people would have come out to our Las Vegas games and they can't make our Ontario games because of work. You know, mainly it's you know, Vegas is a very weird work schedule. So um, hopefully we'll get back in town next year. But we're just, we've just been still grateful to be able to play and that our franchise did not leave. And just to finish off, Kelly, please can I ask if you're able to give our listeners or those new to the sport three reasons why they should continue to watch the league? Oh, goodness. Um, Well, number one, I would like everyone to know that the women in this sport have full-time jobs. It's not our job. We're doing this for the love of the game. And most of us are also former collegiate athletes. 
and we're just looking for that competitive thrill. There's not a ton of opportunities for female sports. And yeah, there's, there's social leagues. You know, we have a huge kickball league here. We even have a huge cornhole league in Vegas. But, um, and I believe there's flag football too, or, or two hand touch here. And that's, that's fun. But uh, the competitiveness of, that the LFL, you know, allows you to have is, is unmatched in anything, anything I've done. So, hey, we're not doing this for, for money or fame. We're doing this because we love football. We're doing this because we want to fulfill something within ourselves. And honestly, once you see a game, that's all it's going to be to you. It's going to be, you're going to realize how serious we take it. And we just, we just want to be role models for young women. Like I said, I never had an opportunity to play even powder puff in high school. And I've, you know, always been an athlete and sports have been a huge part of my life. So the fact that I still get to play sports in my now late twenties, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, I also think it keeps us healthier. You know, I'm not out drinking every night or, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I seriously, you know, like I watch, I watch my food. I watch my fun life, if you will. So it's, it's been, it's been beneficial. It, it keeps us healthy. So for those reasons, I think, you know, I wish people would just know that we're serious athletes. We're all great. All the women around the league, all are on, you know, same level, great women, really hard workers and just love football. And I think that's a, a great way to finish. So on behalf of myself, Marcus and all of our listeners Kelly thank you very much for coming on the show today oh thank you so much guys it was great I just want to be given the chance you were the pioneers that built women's football the opportunity to succeed or even to fail you are the league of their own you ain't got no chance to redeem yourself this is it the LFL on Fuse. Saturdays, starting April 18th. This is Lauren Ziegler with the Atlanta Steam, and you're listening to the LFL Talk with Adrian Marcus. LFL Mobile, giving you access to the gridiron goddesses of the LFL with exclusive photos, videos, live game reporting, and fan promotions. LFL Mobile, download on your Android or iPhone. It is my great pleasure to welcome back to the show middle linebacker for the Los Angeles Temptation and the first ever LFL Hall of Famer, Monique Gaxiola. Welcome back to the show, Monique. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Now, Mo, since um, you were last on the show, um, the LA Temptation season probably didn't end how you wanted it to. Um, but on a personal note, as you mentioned there in the intro, you went on to become the first ever Hall of Famer. How does that feel? Being Hall of Fame inducted in any sport is, uh, is something that is a great accomplishment. Um, it wasn't something that I initially even dreamed or set out to do, you know, begin the LFL journey. But to be given that opportunity and to be recognized at that, high, that, that highest level, it doesn't I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't matter how many championships I've won, how many games I've won or lost, but to be recognized as an individual player um, into you know, the Hall of Fame is, is a great accomplishment, and I'm very proud of it. And also, as well as being in the uh, Hall of Fame, I think since we last spoke, you've also appeared on Stone Cold, Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge, like a few of the other LFL players. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was an awesome experience. You know, a lot of uh, people um, were uh, tuning in and watching that, and... That's one thing that a lot of people don't understand uh, within the LFL, that there's so many opportunities that come with it. 
that um, I feel like if I was just a, you know, a nine to five regular Joe Schmo, there's certain opportunities that I'm given because of the LFL that other people don't get. And and that being one of them. And it was uh, it was a great experience. You know, it didn't end the way that I anticipated. But, you know, it was a good learning lesson for myself. Um, and I enjoyed being on that. And how did you find the other competitors treated you? I mean, did they know that you played football or was it more just that you, you train at CrossFit? Um, it was a mixture of both. But it's funny because uh, when you're actually doing the show, you're not allowed to talk to anybody. You're not allowed to talk to the other competitors at all during, you know, the downtime. So nobody really got to know each other during the the, the shooting process. But afterwards, there was actually a, a former player, Danielle Hawkins, who played for, I believe, the Omaha Heart and for the Dallas Desire when that was a franchise. And she was on the show. And that morning when, you know, we had our um, on call to, uh, you know, start the day, I remember seeing her and I was just like, uh, is it okay if I say hi? Like, I don't want to be rude, but they told us specifically, you cannot talk to each other. So it was kind of like we caught eyes and like, you know, said hello that way. But um, as far as the girls knowing that I do cross it or, you know, was a football player, I don't really know if they, in a sense, actually knew uh, at that time. So And also we have to talk about the legend himself that is Stone Cold Steve Austin. What was he like? He was very nice, uh, very, um, very welcoming to us. Obviously, you know, we um, were competitors on his show and we didn't too much time to spend with him. It was all basically shooting, but he's a very friendly guy and somebody that I've, you know, uh, watched growing up. You know, I did watch uh, the WWF and E um, as uh, as a young girl. So it was cool to see somebody like that that you uh, you never expect to meet, you know, later down the line in your life. Uh, like I said, watching him growing up. So we're going to come on now to this season and. Uh, LA have seen the return of Coach Tui and Coach Biz. Uh, how has that been? It's been a roller coaster. Um, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, like with any team. But they're experienced coaches. Um, they're veterans of the game, and a lot has gone on this season. You know, unexpected injuries, unexpected players playing positions that they've a uh, huge uh, role to fill. That I think that it's been a learning process for us in the long run. And so, you know, we're just trying to move forward and trying to make the best of our situation and continue fighting each game and you know the ultimate goal at the end of the season is to, to come out of championship with with it with the championship you know and and that's what you know we continue to move forward with but having business to back and that better veteran uh, um coaching staff is is always awesome to have and your relationship like with them does it almost feel like they've never left our relationship well my relationship with them is great uh i have you know it, it's two different relationships Tui and i you know get along very well because he's a defensive coordinator and that's one position that you know, middle linebacker that, that I play and that he's played over the years that we just share a different bond with biz. It's a little bit more of, um, of a big brother role where he's that big brother that's constantly poking at you, but, um, doing so because he knows that what he can get out of you. And that's, that's being a great football player. Sometimes, you know, the new girls, they don't understand why biz is so hard and that the way that he is in his coaching style, where for me, my first season, I was the same way. I was like, why is he always picking on me? Why is he always making me run? Why am I always getting yelled at at practice? But because he wants to bring out the best in those talented players, that's his, his style of coaching. That's what it's been like having him this season. And I'm glad you mentioned the rookies there, actually, because, again, uh, Los Angeles have managed to unearth some great rookies like Kim Chase, Naja Christmas, Amanda Ruda, just to name a few. And how have they blended with the veterans like yourself? Usually when the rookies come in, I'm one of the first to take them under my wing, um, show them the ropes, because that's just who I am. Um, regardless if I was a, a 
a player that has been here for two years, three years, whatever it is. That's just the person that I've always been. That if I know the sport, I've always taken the leadership role, especially that, um, you know, again, being here for so many years, but the rookies, um, get this, uh, they get this sense of the limelight. Okay. And this may be the first sport that they've been put on this platform. And so sometimes I think it gets to them and I don't want to, in, in a sense, you know, big headed or whatnot, but because that's not the word that I'm exactly looking for. But I want to say sometimes they get caught in the hype. And yes, you know, you're being promoted. The league is is blowing up because they want to build your brand, but they can't build your brand if you're not producing on the football field. I don't care how many fans you may think you have, but at the end of the day, it comes down to you got to produce and be a football player. And so sometimes I think that gets a little misconstrued and little, you know, mixed emotions and feelings along the way. But I mean, I love our rookies and it's all a learning process for them. And that's why I feel like I'm here for them. So I can show them the ropes that don't get caught up so much in the hype because you're going to come game time. I don't care who your name is, what you think you've done until you make an impact in this game and on the fields, you're not going to gain my respect. And yeah, we do come on now actually to the game itself against Vegas from Thursday night. And from mm-hmm. watching the game from there was a few times where um, it seemed the LA defense um, struggled a little bit against the run, particularly of Dominique Malloy. What, what would you put that down to? Well, watching the game um, in game film, because it really hasn't been released to the media yet, but um, it's been released to us. It's frustrating and it's very difficult to play with a talented, talented running back as Dominic Malloy. And I even spoke to her after the game and I told her, I said, there's very few players that come in their first season, let alone a few games and make an impact like you have. And it's not that our defense wasn't on point. But Dominique is a very fast and talented player and every game she's getting better and better and better. And I feel like this game is she she was starting to peak. So it wasn't anything that in a sense we were doing wrong. But when you play against a great player like that, they're going to have their their peaks and their moments where they're going to destroy our defense. We're not perfect by no means. And there's going to be mistakes, but it's a matter of how we're able to adjust to that. And I think we did adjust to it. We've only, we only allowed them to score two touchdowns, you know, in the entire game. So to me, that personally, I would rather have a shutout, but to even allow only two touchdowns with a great, great running back like that, I think we did pretty well in defense. On that note, I'm actually going to bring in Marcus now, because I'm sure he has uh, a few questions for you, mate. Now, you actually made a great point earlier about players having to this season fill in on roles they're not uh, used to and yourself included because we've noticed that you started to play set in the last couple of, of games and that now mm. puts you as playing centre, linebacker and kicker. How have you found mm. all that workload? To be quite honest, I, I don't want to say it's easy because it's not. You know, I'm going heads up with somebody every down for initially 40 minutes of football. And I love it. It's a challenge. But to me, it's something that has, um, that I've always had within myself because I, I did play, um, on the offensive line the past two seasons. And usually I've been that player that's been rotated in on the offensive line because I'll be honest, my coaches have always been um, very concerned about my injuries, my past injuries that they don't want to afford losing me, um, on offensive play because it's a big loss on the defensive side of the ball. So that's why they've avoided uh, having me play, like I said, an entire game on offense and defense. So with the center position, I knew that I was capable of doing it. And I'll be quite honest, I never wanted the responsibility to snap the ball ever. But I really, it's not that I didn't have a choice, but it was really left up to me because nobody was there to get the job done. And I played soccer. I played 90 minutes of soccer. And it, it, it is it is a little different in a sense. It's a less contact sport compared to football. But 
I don't lack the stamina. So to me, it wasn't anything um, as far as stamina wise, can I handle it? It was more of a, a health issue to keep me healthy for the defensive side of the ball, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so now looking forward, you guys, of course, now play off bound. Are we going to be seeing you having to play center as well once you get into Chicago on August 15th? I mean, that is what the plan, um, what I'm being told so far. And nothing to take away from Laura Barber. I mean, she's done an awesome job. But I think that watching game film in the past couple of games, the coaches have seen like, you know, you do block a little bit better at certain times, Mo. Um, you are, you know, the better for that position at this time. I must admit, the, it's, it's worked. You've seen that your run game is, is on fire. We saw that in the, in the last game. And moving forward then, what's your, what's your one key that you see having to be definitive to beat the mist and find yourself in the Legends Cup come um, 23rd of August? It's not that it's the impossible to beat Seattle because we've proven that we can beat them. But I hate to make excuses, but there are uh, key factors and key reasons as to why Seattle did beat us this season. We have an outer starting quarterback, Ashley Salerno. Without Ashley, a lot of um, positions change on the field. At safety was Michelle Angel and Danielle Harvey. This season, we've gotten beat with the deep ball. In, in our secondary. And again, it, it's not saying that they've done a terrible job, but when we beat Seattle, Michelle Angel had to play one position that was safety. Ashley was the quarterback. I think with having her back is going to change a lot on the field. And like I said, I mean, nothing to take away from Seattle. They played hell of a game against us and they've had injuries too. It's just unfortunate that it wasn't their quarterback, you know, with that's a huge factor. So, like I said, I know they've, they've lost Lily Grant and a couple other players, you know, key players, but a lot have stepped up. But, like, you know, I've, I've seen Danica Brace, you know, within our game, she, you know, came out on fire the second half against us. And, and again, nothing to take away from her, but so she didn't have anybody to go up against every single down. She was a rover and roaming. And again, nothing to take away because she, she had one hell of a game against us. But again, it's just everything happens for a reason and so going into the playoffs um I, we're ready um we have a full squad back and we're we're starting to peak again like we always do in the playoffs and i think just to finish off mo and um, what i'd like to do is ask if you could give any advice to any young female athletes that are wanting to get into the sport my suggestion is to start learning the game now and um, learning the basic fundamentals of football once that's said and done it's up to you whether you want to continue to drive forward and you have to find it within yourself not even within football but with any sport anything in life if you don't do what you love you're going to be miserable doing it and so if football is is, is your sport and you love it and it your passion then go forward with it um you know because you have the lfl to work for and to play for once you become of age which is 18 so for me i just feel like with any female athlete um it's all up to you how hard you're willing to put the work in and how passionate you are about your sport and everything will come eventually um hard work truly does pay off and and i'm you know uh, I've proven that over the years that, you know, I've uh, I've had ups and downs, plenty of injuries, plenty of naysayers that I've had to prove wrong. So, um, yeah, just if you believe in yourself and you have a good supporting um, and people behind you, a supporting group, um, it's it can only go up from there. 
And it's going to be times where it is hard and it's rough and it's going to test you. But again, it's up to you how much you love what you do and how how, how hard you're willing to fight for it. On that note, I'd like to uh, thank you, Mo, on behalf of Marcus, myself and, and all of our listeners. Uh, thank you so much once again for coming on our show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you back. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings fox pops or capturing the atmosphere during social events editing is a very time-consuming job so spamhead productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound and we will do the rest we can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too visit us now spamheadproductions.weebly.com that's spamheadproductions.weebly.com well, that brings us to the end of our show. Before I sign off, Mark, I do just have one question for you. So you've probably seen on Commissioner's Corner, there's a bit of a bet going on with the keg stand between Colton and Mr. Mortaza. <laughs> <laughs> so who's your money on, my friend? Because I think we should probably have a little wager ourselves. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's a very impressive feat, Colton's proposing that he can do. And you know what? Uh, I, I like I like the idea of the, the the underdog sort of showing off here, sort of what he can do. I'm going to put my money on Colton, I think. Uh, okay, well that that means I've got Mr. Mortaza then. So, uh, well, what, 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 <laughs> I suppose we should have gone through the wager as well. Actually, what's what's going to be on the actually, line? <laughs> I was going to say I was, I'm, I'm not too sure. Maybe uh, maybe we leave this up to some suggestions from our lovely listeners yeah what forfeits we may or may not have to do so yeah nice one that works Sounds for me. Good to me well if you want to give us a forfeit remember hey guys if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com okay and that's gonna wrap things up from us so I would like to thank both of our guests Monique Gaxiola and Kelly Campbell also my co-host Marcus Henson, our producer Mark Taylor from Spamhead Productions. Remember, all of our shows go out on the LFL 360 website. That's LFL360.com forward slash radio. And you will also see all of this season's other podcasts as well. We're downloadable on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and our more recent shows are rebroadcast on the Awake Radio Network. And if you fancy it, why not give our website a view, see what other things we offer around the league and also with the NFL as well, www.ballhawksnest.com. Until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. Bye.